And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So it is New Year's Eve. It's 8.52 p.m. And while some people might be celebrating, I hope responsibly, because I am, after all, living in a state where I'm horrified of seeing another human being. Uh, I've decided, you know how I'm going to celebrate New Year's Eve? Uh, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch a Wizards game. Going to watch him lose 133-130 to the Bulls. And as I have promised all of you, I'm not doing a post-game show. But what I am doing is earlier in the week, I hit up Ben Standig, who is now just basically on the podcast. And I've hit up Ben. And I asked him, why don't we prepare some New Year's resolutions for these guys? And we'll run them out and we'll release this thing on on Friday morning. So it is 9 o'clock. Ben and I are each having a drink. 50% because it's... uh, New Year's Eve and 50% because we have to watch this Wizards team. So I'm I'm drinking I'm drinking my Bud Light. Ben, what are you having? Um I, I had some a, a small bottle of red wine that's that's been sitting here for months and it was like, you know what? Let's do this. End of last day of the year. Let's go. Let's do this. I, I feel like I just added myself of someone. So I like never drank beer. Ever. Never enjoyed just didn't like the taste. Never enjoyed it. And then about six months ago, I was like, huh, I like Bud Light, which I feel like is worse than liking beer. Like, I feel like whatever the opposite of being a snob is, that's it. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I mean, you know, look, uh, uh, Miller Light was was my go to at that level of beer. But, yeah, it's not exactly the um, it's it's like the equivalent of your favorite wizard ever being like, I don't know who's who who is the the Bud Light of Wizards players. Ramon Sessions. Yeah. (laughs) Being of it being like Ty Lawson, like the Ty Lawson era was just amazing. Um, yeah, I, if typically I'm a gin and tonic guy, but uh, that 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 was just gonna be a lot more production than uh, than than this uh, this last second situation uh, uh, worked out. So yeah, I got I got my drink. We need to drink, and uh, we have things to discuss. Wizards got the drink on. There, man. So this team is zero five. Uh, ben and I are going to throw out some New Year's resolutions for them. Man, the last podcast I was, uh, I mean, I would say I was, sub- I would call myself subdued. I think other people would say that I was too positive. And I think if you said I was too positive, I think it's clear that you were correct in that scenario. They just look like they're solving nothing. I mean, they look like they're solving nothing. They look really bad. Uh, so, so Ben, I don't know any of your New Year's resolutions. You don't know any of mine. Um, I bet you we have some overlap. Hit, hit me with one. Hit me with one. Well, to sort of tie it into the game tonight, it's basically get a short-term plan and stick with it. And by that, like, so for example, I believe you asked Scott Brooks, how come Isak Bonga didn't play tonight? And I don't have the transcript in front of me, but basically his response was, well, I don't know. He just didn't. We'll see about it tomorrow. Somebody else will sit tomorrow probably. And 
I, no, this kid, this is over. You pick your nine best players, or if you want to go ten based on minutes for Bertans or or Westbrook or something, fine. But that's it. Normally, I get it. You you sort of adjust things based on the fact it's early in the season and the opponent. No, 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 screw that. You have to this moment in time right now decide this is who we are. This is what we're doing, and I'm riding with this group. Period, and that's it. Like Bonga, like you know, just to use him as the guy who was out of the mix tonight. He's obviously played. You know, I think fairly well. And, you know, obviously, Rui Hachimura is back. It's made sense. We talked about it, I think, when I was on the podcast last or one of these times about, uh, you know, who might lose some minutes. And, you know, Bonga would make sense on some level. But whatever it is, if you want, if he's going to sit, then fine. But these are my nine guys. You know, it's like Gene Hackman and Hoosiers. My team's on the floor. <laughs> this is my team. This is my rotation. We're not trying crap out right now. Let's go. Yeah, my... My goodness, it's, you know, it's probably not the best sign in, in human history when every single game you have a need a spark plug off the bench guy. This game, you know, the Chicago game, it was Mo Wagner. Or the second Chicago game, it was Mo Wagner. And it's been, who else has it been? It was Nato or Neto early in the year. And it was Jerome Robinson for like a game and a half. It's like they have a different spark plug off the bench. I'm going to throw this guy in and see if he makes a difference guy. Meanwhile, just like you can pick your nine best guys and you could play them. You know, it is, it is weird. I'm with you. I mean, with Bonga, it's what's weird about the Bonga thing is that if you look at the numbers, like Every single time, and I'm not advocating for looking at four-game samples of on-off numbers because that's insanity, but I have said this about 900 times and written it 902 times that Isak Bonga was number three in the league in real plus-minus defensively among small forwards last year. LeBron James was one. Kawhi Leonard was two. Isak Bonga was three. And I am not using that statistic to tell you that Isak Bonga was the third best defensive small forward behind LeBron and Kawhi last year. That is not what I'm doing because that's obviously not the case. And that number is obviously exaggerated. But if you look at every single number, it says the Wizards play okay defense with Isak Bonga on the floor, which is massive. That is a massive, massive, massive improvement on what they do when he's not on the floor. And you see that in every single number. If you take out garbage time, they were like 9.9 points per 100 possessions defensively better when he was on the floor last year. And I get it. He's flawed offensively. His shot is slow, although the release does look a little bit quicker. He doesn't like to shoot very much. And he's not wildly accurate as a three-point shooter. I get that. But one of the problems with this roster is that your three-point shooters, for the most part, aren't really defenders. And your defenders, for the most part, aren't really three-point shooters. So if you're worried about the defense... And you think that Bertans, if he can get his legs back, and Westbrook and Bradley Beal together can be good enough, and Thomas Bryant, who I think is a very good offensive player, those four guys can be good enough offensively to sustain you and give you a really good offense, then you can have Bonga out there. Now, I don't think the eye test pins him as this excellent defender, but he's good. I mean, fundamentally, he's good. He's long. He can be handsy. He fouls a little bit too much, but his footwork is also really good for a 21-year-old. He's only getting better. He has some blocks when he's guarding on the ball that bad defenders are not are just not able to do that. Like, he's good. I don't fully get why Bonga is the guy who is not there. Uh, and I get it. You have to pick one. You got to pick one. I get it. I just... 
I, I don't get why Bonga is not one of your guys when all you talk about is how you need to get better on defense, right? Like all they talk about is how they have to get better on defense. And well, you know, removing your best defender isn't really going to help with that. Right. But and look, even if, and if they want to sit him and they want to say, look, we're just going to be heavy offense or whatever. Okay, fine. Then just do that. But whatever, oh yeah, whatever it is, pick an identity, do that and get going. This, I mean, there's basically 11 guys you can kind of pick from the, you know, the, the standard starters with, you know, Bertans, Lopez, Troy Brown, the two, the Ishmith, Neto, and Bonga. Then, you know, Mo Wagner, but like I'll put him off on the, the side. That's 11. Uh, you know, I basically would probably, you know, Isher, Neto, one of them doesn't play for me right now. And then go from that. That gives me 10. And then, you know, fine. If, you know, if you want to play the starters more minutes and you want to sit somebody, one of those other guys a little bit more, so be it. But whatever it is, here's who we are. This is what it means. And by the way, like, one of my issues with what the Wizards have been is, and this is for, goes for like, I, I use the same logic with with the Washington football team over time, not so much this year, but over time is, who are we? What's our identity? So that when a new player comes in, whether it's a veteran free agent or a rookie, they understand what it means to be a member of this team. That, that means style and system, and also uh, contribution and attitude and things like that. And there's none of that going on right now. And it's been going on, this way for a while. I mean, it's, we just see the same thing over and over again. So when you bring in a, a, a random player, you're fitting them. He's fitting into a well-oiled machine, not just, well, we go play basketball and kind of figure it out. So anyway, that's my uh, that's my number one. Figure out a short-term plan and stick with it. I, I like it. That's a, that's a good overarching one to start off the pod. I got one that's more specific. Uh, this one's for Russell Westbrook specifically. Um. He's got to attack more. He's just got to attack more. And we saw that a little bit more in the second half of the Chicago game. But I'm pretty sure this was true as of halftime of the Chicago game. Unless there's a play that happened in that second half that I'm forgetting. I'm pretty sure he has not made a layup off of a drive since opening night. Which is not a great sign, by the way. It's not a great sign. But he's also not really trying them. Like, he went a seven-quarter stretch where he didn't even attempt a layup off of a drive. By the way, I'm not including garbage time in that. He made a layup off of a drive in the second half of the first Chicago game with, like, 30 seconds left, and it was a double-digit game. That doesn't count. The defense didn't try. Nobody helped. He went to the rim. He finished a layup. It didn't count. He made a move on, I forget who the defender was, in the fourth quarter of the Philadelphia game to... I forget if it was it was an and one play. I forget if it tied it in 95 or or something like that. I think I want to say it was 95-95 at some point. That's the last time I think he made one, not in a garbage time moment. Just a drive in the half-court offense and making a layup. That's it. And that is not Russell Westbrook's game. Now, the wildly pessimistic argument here is that Westbrook doesn't have the burst to do that anymore. The other thing is maybe he's not all the way healthy, and that's why he's resting on these back-to-backs. And he's not probably, as Scott Brooks said, not going to play in that Friday game against the Timberwolves. Um, But I think he's still got to try him. He's got to attack more. They got to find ways. They got to put more shooting around him to open up more lanes. Westbrook is, is not... Russell Westbrook, if he's not attacking, that is the core of his entire identity. I get that he takes a lot of mid-range shots always. I know that. But he's taking way more than usual. This is not the normal Westbrook taking Westbrook type stuff. 
he still gets to the rim. He'll miss shots around the rim. He'll make some take some crazy shots. We all know that, but like attacking always is the fabric of what makes Westbrook Westbrook as a player. And they we're not seeing it. And so that's my thing for Westbrook. Just like he's got to force his way to the rim more. He's just he's got they've got to find a way to get him there. He's got to find a way to get himself there. Yeah, no, his his uh, his physical status right now is definitely a big a big question. We, you know, for you know the the opening night podcast we did, you had optimistic Ben on here, and part of it was about just they look they're going to be a lot more interesting, and a lot of that is that Russell Westbrook is a force of nature, and uh, you know it's going to be a lot of fun, and we haven't really seen that version of him yet, and this sort of goes to my point as well now maybe some of this is about him his physical status and maybe he just doesn't have some of that burst at the moment and hopefully it's if that's true it's just a short-term thing but it's also start with the premise of we have Beal we have Westbrook and if you want to include Bertans in that fine what do I need to do when each of these guys is on the court to maximize their abilities because ultimately that when we talk about big threes in basketball I'm not saying that's a big three but just in in this team it more or less is the, it, 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 these are my best players. How do I get the most out of them? Well, I take the other pieces and move them around accordingly. Like I didn't mention Garrison Matthews earlier in the rotation thing that you've talked about putting him in. Okay, cool. If he's part of the rotation, then like you've said before, get more spacing, put him out on the court with Westbrook, that type of thing. And so, yeah, you have to start with the premise of here are my best players. I need to maximize what they do. What's the best way to do that? And then feed off from there. So yeah, whatever you have to do to Westbrook, if it's a scheme thing, if it's a, if it's a training room thing, yeah, obviously um, that's that's definitely a thing, and, and a lot of it is also him. Like you said, he's you know he's got to do more on that front, assuming that that's a that's a current option right now. You got Nick. What else you got? Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll go slightly uh, off the grid, like less less. Uh, well, a, I mean, serious, but not current relation. This is for the Wizards organization. I've been harping on this for years, and right now they could use a feel-good moment. Put Bobby Dandridge's jersey up in the freaking rafters already. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not up there now. It needs to be there. I get it if you're 12 years old right now. If you're Neil DeLal, you never saw him play. I get that. But, like, he he belongs up there. He was the key third man, as it were, that put them over the top to win the title and, and, and uh, in, in the West Unsolved Elvin Hayes era. He's also a guy who's around the team a lot as like one of these uh, former player ambassadors. Uh, he's criminally not in the regular Hall of Fame, but at a minimum, he needs to be in the Wizard drafters. They need a good. They need something good right now. Put it up there. Yeah. Okay. Sure. That came out of nowhere. I see. I told you. It was like uh, you know, is that a left field? But like, uh, you give me the platform. I've been I've been campaigning on this one for a while, but now I'm gonna really like push it. That that came out of nowhere. I, this was, I, I love when I told you, yeah, there are no parameters to this. Get creative. That That's, that's great. I love it. Sure. Why not retire Bobby Dandridge? He was great. He was essential to their one ring. They should retire that whole team. They really should. That's the team. Just the whole team. Why not? Bobby Dandridge is awesome. Also Bobby Dandridge. I've interviewed him. Like I want to say three times. He's a spectacular interview. He is an awesome dude. At least in my uh, experience talking to him. I think he is cool as hell. 
so when I was a kid, now I'm, I'm old. When I was a kid, uh, Eddie Murray was my favorite athlete, the uh, Baltimore Orioles first baseman, and Hall of Famer, and all that. And when I was a kid, I remember went was at Old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore, and after the game, we were hanging out where the players come out, and I went to get his autograph, and he just completely brushed me off and got nothing. And from that moment on, it was an early lesson of kind of like, you know, be careful being close to your heroes, you know. So Bobby Dandridge was like my favorite bullet at that era. And even though by every account he is the nicest person, everybody says, I've never talked to him. <laughs> he, he, I've stood, I've been, I've been in the same You'd love him. Then. He's great. He's fantastic. I mean, well, I have a, I have a tremendous picture. It's of course now sad, but you know, in the history of me in the NBA, I've had, let's just say four or five, like sort of favorite players. One of them was him. One of them was Kobe Bryant. And there was a, uh, there was a moment where Kobe Bryant was, was standing side, you know, with Dandridge face to face, and I took that picture, and I'm like, like it's like it's like one of those pictures where, like, if my house was on fire and I could take a picture, that might be one I would take. But I still have not talked to him, so maybe we come out of this pandemic and he's still around. I'm like, okay, like you know, carpe diem, let's do this. But to the moment, I have not done that. See, it's funny when you're a beat writer and you know this, you think of things in like a different beat writery way. So whenever I see a team, like one of the first questions I'll ask is, I wonder what it's like to cover them. You know, and that that title team must have been so fun to cover because Dandridge is great. Uh, Phil Chenier, we all know, is just an absolute treasure of a human being. Um, and Wes Unseld, I never got the opportunity to meet, but I I did have the opportunity to write a really big feature on him after he passed away this spring and just got filled up with so many stories and he is just an absolutely, he was a fascinating man. And I spoke to David Dupree for that story who covered the bullets for the Washington post, you know, 40 years ago. And he was telling me just how amazing Wes was to cover cover. That must've been an unbelievable. And they were amazing. So that must've been an unbelievable team to cover. That must've been great. Uh, we don't, we've talked about this too much. I will just simply say a couple years ago, they had the 40th anniversary of that title and that they had a, uh, a, a party at a, at, a, at a hotel for that group. And I got to go cover it for, I don't remember where I was writing at that point, but I got to go there. And like, so they were all in the room. I don't think Wes Unseld was there, but like everybody else was there. Elvin Hayes, Bobby Dandridge, all the old players, Steve Buckhans was, 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 he was the MC of it. Um, you, you had a lot of like, oh, you know, the people from the past and it was just wild. It was the, it was, a, it was one of the few times in this job where, you know, we're supposed to be dispassionate and blah, blah, blah. But it was like, Oh, this is like childhood being revisited. It was really fun. Yeah. That sounds great. All right. Should I give one? Are you giving one? What are we doing? That right, was mine. That was, we uh, spent, that's that was, right. We spent, we spent so much more time than I, I anticipated doing this, uh, or talking about, I should say the seventies bullets. Okay. I got one, which, which honestly includes, this is a larger one and it's one for Scott Brooks. Um, I think Scott Brooks is getting probably too much crap right now. And, and I, I literally, uh, <laughs> I literally got rid of my mentions on my tweet deck because my Twitter mentions are just so toxic. I was like, this is so bad for my mental health. I got to just, this negativity should not be a regular part of my life. And I just moved it out. I, I will say one for Scott Brooks is go buy Occam's razor. You know Occam's razor? 
The, uh, I the, do. The correct answer is usually the most obvious one. And I feel like so many of these things are solved by Occam's Razor. Like so much of this shuffling, the different rotation switches, all this stuff, like so much of this is just solved by Occam's Razor. It's like, damn, we need shooting. How the hell are we going to get shooting? Try your third best shooter in Garrison Matthews. Like give him a minute. See what happens. You tried Jerome Robinson. You want some you want some offense? Put in the guy who's going to take and hit threes and is going to scamper around screens and all that stuff. You know? Damn, we can't stop anyone defensively. Put in the defender, Isak Bonga. See what happens. Uh, you know, we've seen what Bonga can do. He can defend. You know what you're getting out of Bonga at this point. You're going to get solid defense. Uh, I, I just feel like there are a lot of Occam's razors. Or a lot of Occam's razors. A lot of Occam's razor situations with this team this year. Uh, you know, you know, playing. I, I touched on this a little bit in my last podcast, which uh, when I had Dave Dufour on, where I talked about maybe flipping Westbrook and Beal if you're going to stagger, playing Beal with the reserves and Westbrook to start the game. And I get the players are creatures of habit, and you know maybe Beal doesn't want to do that. In which case, you're stuck. And and, and I understand that. You know, if if Brooks didn't stagger, everyone would be like, holy crap, Scott Brooks isn't staggering his stars again after he wouldn't do it with Westbrook and Durant, and he's not doing it again. So so I understand if he feels like it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. But like Westbrook playing with Ish Smith and playing with Robin Lopez, that just and Lopez didn't play second half. Like that that just that doesn't make sense. Those are guys who are you know, Ish Smith is a guy who he's going to be good and contributive when he can handle and really play point guard in a conventional, conventional dribbly point guard way. And Robin Lopez, while he can step out and hit a three seldomly, once a game or something, he's going to hang around the rim. And, and that's clogging up lanes for Westbrook. It's clogging up spacing. Every time Bradley Beal talks, he talks about how they have spacing issues. And, and, and there are ways that I personally think that they can help the spacing stuff. And just like there are, there are certain things, like if you have spacing issues, and they don't have a lot of shooters. They have high-quality shooters, but they don't have a lot of shooters. But there are certain things that fit Occam's razor to me. Tying, they've done a pretty good job, but not a perfect job, tying Bertans's minutes to Westbrook's because, and I can't say they've done a perfect job. And, not, and the reason why is not because Bertans hasn't played a lot of minutes with Westbrook. He has, but it's because... To me, Bertans is an if he can actually play minutes is a starter. I mean, if you really want to tie Bertans to Westbrook, you would start him. Um, and I have a New Year's resolution for Bertans, which we'll get to at some point. But like, there there are certain. I'm getting very opinionated on this podcast. I normally don't get so opinionated, but you know, I I just I think there are a lot of things I look at. And I'm like, that seems really. It seems obvious to me. Like it seems like a really obvious fix, and it's just not happening for some reason. I, I kind of feel like I'm the one taking the crazy pills, you know? Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I had you know play Garrison Matthews on my list, and we sort of talked about that before. And yeah, it's 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 not even so much like not trying to act like Garrison Matthews is some great player. It's just that he does a specific skill. He's like Liam Neeson, right, and taken. He has a specific skill set, you, you know, whatever. That's, I, I can't figure out where the rest of the joke goes. But point is, to what we were saying before, like, figure out what you what you have. Start at the top. These are the players I have. Now, how do what do I do or put them around them and just go from there? You don't need to overthink this. You don't want to try to 
try to be coaching it up. Like you said, like what's simple, what do we need to do and move forward? And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it shouldn't be much more complicated than that. And that's the thing at 0 and 5, you know, especially like if they're going to take the approach like they, that they continue to do, like it's not that big of a deal. We have a long way to go. Okay, if you're not going to make a panic move, then make the simple move. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. What else you got? Um, I'll, I'll, I have another jokey one, but I'll save that one for a minute. Um, so I mentioned, but my first one was have a short-term plan. My, my next one is get a long-term plan. Because obviously there's going to be, you mentioned Scott Brooks. He's obviously, I don't know if he's actually on the hot seat, but he is on Twitter. Um, obviously, people on Twitter have thoughts what to do. And it isn't just enough to say, well, fire the coach and, and we can move on and, and everything will be solved because obviously that, that's not the case. The, the, the bigger point is what what is your actual plan? Stop being overly reactive to everything and plan. Like, for example, the guy who torched them tonight on the other team, Otto Porter. Why is Otto Porter on the Bulls? Because when John Wall got hurt two years ago and the Wizards were over the luxury tax and clearly about to fall off and not make the playoffs that year, Ted Leonsis clearly said, look, I don't want to pay the tax. Fix this. So they traded Otto Porter, effectively got nothing for him. And I'm not saying that you necessarily need to keep Otto Porter, but the point is that he's a good player, he's overpaid or whatever, and now he's playing for somebody else and you got nothing for this guy who was the third pick that you invested a lot of money in. You went from investing in so much money that now you just threw him away and he's playing for somebody else. That's not a plan. What's the plan? Like make, you know, whether it's in terms of your you know players you want on the roster, how you're going to use the salary cap. Do we, are we all in on the draft? Do we want young guys, old guys? Like when Westbrook was out, I think we talked about this. I'm not sure if it was on this pod or on my pod, but when Westbrook was out that third game, and uh, Bertans was, was not right. Like, it was pretty obvious. Like, other than Beal, you didn't have anybody else you could even lean on at all. There was, like, no uh, – I don't know if Terrence Ross is too good of a player, but, like, sort of, like, there was no, like, Terrence Ross guy off the bench, like a Lou Williams or, you know, one of these kinds of guys who can just get you 15 so off, you know, when, when you kind of need some points. Put together – you know, have a plan to put together a roster that has the pieces that you, you, you want. I mean, I'm not saying you can be ideal in every situation, but, like – in a general sense, what are the types of things we need, and and go from and go from there. And that's also where you get you don't get stuck with this. Like even with the Westbrook Wall trade, that wasn't done because you were being uh, proactive. You were done because you were being reactive. The Wall and Beal thing needed to be broken up, and you had to do something. And the only type of trade that you could do effectively without uh, you know having to give up too much and getting back little was to trade for Westbrook, which is fine, but now here you're on the Westbrook train for the next three years. So all the time, this is what the Wizards do, it, it, certainly in, in in recent years, but but even but more so. It's, it's being reactive to the moment instead of having a plan and sticking with it. So whether you ultimately make a coaching change or not, that's not enough. You have to know what are we actually trying to do here and how do we move forward in that direction. Mm. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I, I like, I have to say, I liked Optimistic Ben more. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. Well, that lasted look, about six seconds. I tried. I was all in. I was all willing to say, you know what? We're putting the Scrooge McDuck hat away. We're going to be <laughs> optimistic. And then 0 and 5 happened. So what, what am I going to do? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because, like, when the guys say every time we ask, when the, and the guys say, yeah, you know, it's a long season. And, and, and it's the same quote, but just adjusted for 0 and 3 or 0 and 4 and 0 and 5 and 69 or 68 or 67 games left. It's the same quote. It's a long season. There's 67 games left. They're 0 and 5. That's true. The schedule coming up is also. Let me look at this. The schedule is rough. Like they they were supposed to take at least one of these two Bulls games. Uh, where is this schedule? Where do we got it? Where we got it? Okay. They got Minnesota tomorrow, or I should say on Friday. Probably won't have Westbrook. According to Brooks, because he's not going to play back-to-backs or both halves of back-to-backs. Then they got at Brooklyn. They got at Philly. They got at Boston. They got versus Miami. They got versus Phoenix. They got versus Utah. I think Phoenix is a playoff team. I mean, those are those are all playoff teams. And five out of the six are like really, really good playoff teams. And we're talking Brooklyn, who has a case to win the East. Philly. I, I could be a conference final team. Boston, conference finalist last year. Miami won the East last year. Phoenix is good. I mean, that's a, just a good competitive team. And and Utah, I mean, that's a 50-win team every year. So that's that's rough. I mean, that that's 12 games into the year. Now we're talking about, like, oh, man, like, they were 6-12 and 12 that one year. But we're talking about potentially worse situation than 6-12. and 12. We're talking about them having to potentially, you know, win, you know, you know what what would it end up being? Having to win, you know, five out of eight or something in order just to get to six and twelve, or whatever it ends up being. I mean, that's that's a real problem. That that this is this could get ugly. They would have to go on a they would have to really turn it around in order to get off to a sufficient start. And I I wrote earlier this week. They don't really have time. I mean, Bradley Beal said he wants to win now. And and this is this is getting into my next New Year's resolution, which is for the organization, which is not necessarily pick a direction, but be able to notice what the proper direction is, which is Bradley Beal says he wants to win now. If you're not winning now, like don't. Don't deny the inevitable here. Don't deny the fact that Beal eventually doesn't want to play for a perpetual 50 loss team. Um, you know, don't don't put that off. I'm not saying that's definitely happening, by the way. And I'm not predicting Bradley Beal's mentality, but he says he wants to win now. So let's go off of that. You know, if you're not gonna win now, um don't don't put it off. Look, next year's free agency class, they, there's a scenario where they have to trade Beal and they could do it next offseason. 
not next deadline, next offseason, and they could get a ton. Next year's free agency class is really not good. It was going to be good. And then Giannis extended and Paul George extended and everybody just kind of assumes Kawhi is going to resign and Rudy Gobert extended. And now next year's free agency class really isn't very good. Nobody is, the best players are all restricted free agents, which really hampers the amount of money teams can spend or teams are, are going to be able to spend on these big name guys. And, uh, and tons of teams have cap space. What's going on there? What's happening? There's like a door opening. That that's all. Sorry, <laughs> but tons of teams have cap space, and 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 the James Harden domino probably has to fall before anything else can, and we'll see whenever the heck that happens. But if you have to trade Beal next offseason, you can get a ton because there's there are more. What's the proper way to say it? there? There are more more chairs. Yeah, I guess there are more in this game of mutual of, of musical chairs. There are actually more chairs than there are participants. So you're going to be able to get a seat in all likelihood. And Tommy Shepard, as we've seen, is a pretty good trader. Uh, he's made some really smart deals and, and he has a really good pulse on what's going on around the league and that kind of stuff. And so I think if they end up having to trade Beal next offseason, which we don't know yet if they will, I think they could get a lot. But we've seen the organization get into denial before. And I know that was a different administration. You know, I know it was Ernie Grumfeld and them who were ultimately, you know, not trading Jeff Green for a potential second round pick. We're not trading Trevor Ariza for a potential second round pick a couple of years ago. Or not trading Ben after he kept playing with papers and doors and pounding things in the middle of a podcast or whatever it was. But I... I just, I feel like an organization has to be able to recognize what's happening in front of them, and it hasn't happened yet. It certainly hasn't happened yet. They're 0-5, but if they end up in a really bad spot, you know, we haven't seen any signs of them turning something around, you know? And right. if they don't turn this around, like that will happen at some point in all likelihood. Like that's the way this league works. Right. And and, and, and to that end, like this idea of the the, the the plan, like like how do I say this? You have to also be realistic, like what is your plan? Like they can say they want this is about building a title team and all that. We know how the NBA works to some degree, right? If you don't have one of the three or four or five best players or three of the top 20 or, you know, and it's not just that you also have to have complimentary role players, but you know, if you don't have those guys at the tippy top, you know, you, you, you kind of don't have much of a chance. I mean, my, you know, Miami making the NBA finals last year was on the verge of maybe being a uh, sort of semi rare exception. Although Jimmy Butler certainly vaulted himself way up there and all that stuff. But um what is the deal here? Like, you know, Bradley Beal's a hell of a player. Russell Westbrook, when he's right, is a hell of a player. But, you know, are they really have, are they really building towards the championship team? They have those two guys are about win now, but then you have a bunch of kids who are sort of still learning. So what what is the plan? Like, is the plan to really win a title? If so, do all the pieces mesh? If, they're, if, if, if maybe it makes more sense, like you're saying, if to trade a Beal, if you can get a ton for him, Okay, but then make moves in that direction. So, yeah, what's the plan? Pick a path and kind of go that way. 
I wonder because we're recording this. I guess the Rockets game just ended. You know, we had the Wizards game and then we had post game media. I haven't had a chance to see any of John Wall's first game with the Wizards, which I, with the Rockets, which happened tonight. I wonder how Wizards fans are going to react if Wall just starts to play really well. Like, I wonder what that that reaction is going to be. Yeah, no, for for sure. I, I mean, I don't see the Wall Harden thing working out at all in terms of their style. Yeah, the Wall the Wall Harden thing, for all we know, isn't going to continue for the whole season, though. You know. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, in any event, um, all right. What was that? Who's, who's up, me or you? I lost track. I don't know. I'll go again. Um, I, I'm I'm trying to figure out the proper way to say this. It's it's for Davis Bertans, and I've said before. I think, uh, I I, I think if there's one season where you're kind of unable to play off season where you're kind of unable to play five on five, and unable to stay in proper shape, and you you come in admittedly with with lower conditioning than you should. If there's one season where that's understandable, I think this is the one. But, I mean, I'm surprised by how how out of shape he's admittedly been. I mean, he said after the game on Tuesday that he's at 60 to 70%, his conditioning. Is at 60 to 70% now. And, and he reported to camp 17 days ago. You know, at, at the beginning, it was that he was just, the conditioning was off because he had visa issues. And so he wasn't able to play. He was in quarantine. He was off. Understandable. And he's talked about very openly. I mean, the thing about Davis, he's always he's very honest. He's very confident. He'll tell you stuff straight up. He'll tell you how it is. If he doesn't want to answer your question, he'll tell you he doesn't want to answer it. I always respect that with somebody who I cover. Um, and he just, you know, kind of said that he was not really able to play five on five when he was at home in Latvia. I mean, this isn't as much a New Year's resolution. Like, find a way to get in shape is not really a New Year's resolution. Like, obviously, he is trying to find a way to get in shape. Uh, all that said, like, and again, I wrote this earlier this week. I, 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 I'm not all the way there because I, I do believe in giving people the benefit of the doubt. And maybe that's more of just like who I am as a person. This isn't like a journalistic thing. This is more just like my personal demeanor, especially during times like this, I kind of believe in more in giving people the benefit of the doubt. That's just more who I am. But like, I understand the argument of like, you opt out of the bubble. Like, for example, I've opted out of going to games so far this year. We don't get access when we're there. We just kind of get to go watch the game and then go home. And all access is still over Zoom and all that stuff. And I've deemed that not worth the health risk. So I'm watching games at home. That being said, because I've opted out of going to games, it's my responsibility to make up for that if something happens at a game that I don't know what would happen at a game, which would hurt me by not being there because we don't get access and that kind of stuff. But if something happens, it's my responsibility to make sure that my work product isn't hurt because of my decision not to go. Bertans opted out. Because he wanted to get paid, and nobody blamed him for that, and I don't blame him for that now. I, I, I would, I imagine he would do that again if I were in his situation. So would I. Uh, but when you do that, I understand the argument that like oh, it's your responsibility. Then, then you are putting the burden on yourself 
in order to stay in basketball shape during those moments. So I'm kind of torn in that, you know, I guess it's not really a new year's resolution, but I just feel like that's a thing I kind of wanted to discuss because we just watched him go over eight from the field over six from three. Uh, he, his jumpers are short. It's, uh, it's very weird. And, and I, he's not the only guy in the league who showed up trying to play his way into shape, which is again, why I give him the benefit of the doubt. But I just I wonder when he is going to get there because like they need him. They don't they need him. They gave him 80 million dollars, not because he's a luxury. Maybe on some teams he's a luxury, but this team needs him and and they're not getting him right now. No, it's uh, I mean, yeah, it's very weird how off he is. And yes, this is a very bizarre year, the pandemic and, you know, he's. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's very weird. This actually connects with one of mine that I have left on the board in that the this is a, a more of a Wizards thing than a Birdhouse thing, sort of. And that is when the Wizards get go to free agency, you don't have to always give the guy the extra year. Three. I looked this up. Three players this year in free agency received a five-year contract. Anthony Davis, nobody's going to argue that. Brandon Ingram, who was the main piece that the Pelicans got back for Anthony Davis, who was, you know, was the second pick, what, the second pick in the draft a few years ago, had a really good year last year. So, okay, fine. You want to keep this guy with Zion and all that. I get that. And Davis Bertans. Let's be clear. Davis Bertans had a really good year last year. Does he warrant a five-year contract? No. I was, I was, I was kind of okay with it, to be honest. But it's the, but like we just came off the era with the Mahimi and the Andrew Nicholson and the Jason Smith where it was the years, not the money, that was so rough on it because you were just stuck for so long. If you want to give him all the money, so be it. I, I don't know why the, when you get that extra year, that's what ties you up. I mean, that's effectively kind of I mean, it's sort of different with John Wall because of who John Wall Wall was, but when the idea was that he's got this bad contract, it's not the money completely, it's the years. And now Westbrook, they have three years to go. So I just think like, don't always act like you're the you're the needy kid who's like, you know, has to, you, you know, you, you wanna like, uh, get a, you know, I don't know, give, you know, you know, give, give out more stuff to get people to like you or whatever. They gave Bertans plenty of money you didn't have to give him. You didn't have to give him, give him necessarily the fifth year. And I understand that in this instance, maybe it's okay. But like I said, I mean, being realistic, why is that? Why is a player at Davis Bertans level, even though he was good last year, based on his career, getting a five-year deal? I, I don't. I don't get that. But it's not just him. It's the overall thing. This is what they have done over time: is give up too many years, and that has uh, saddled them uh, later on. Yeah, I, I, I was okay. I was fine with the Bertons contract. I just kind of thought it was fair. I mean, the fifth year is is a partial guarantee. Five million is guaranteed. So it's really 69 million guaranteed. Uh, and there's there's a vesting. There's a there's there's a I forget the exact proper terminology, but it's vesting based on games played based on health, too. So, um, you know, it's not it's not necessarily all the way there. They kind of cover their ass a little bit on that front. I, I went into free agency thinking like. 55 to 60 million over four years would be a good number. He got he got a little bit more than that. I thought it was fine. Uh, he's he's a great shooter. And, and all of this is said with an asterisk, by the way, which is that he's previously torn his ACL twice. 
And I had asked Tommy Shepard in an interview I did with him at some point over the summer, or it was before free agency, where I asked if there were concerns over his health. And and he said, no, the, the ACLs were behind him. They were a long time ago. You know, their medicals on, you know, everything's good. And that's why they give him the money. And so if they evaluate that correctly, if that's true, and obviously you or I have no idea how to properly evaluate his health, that's just one thing the public cannot have any sort of intelligent opinion on. But if you take the word of the organization, and obviously they believe that, they don't give him that money if that's the case, then it's like, I think that's fine. I, I just think more so. And this, look, it's possible. This is just a five-game thing, and Bertans is in good shape, you know, or six-game thing. He's in good shape next week. But it's just like, you know, it, if he's even just like slightly off tonight, this is a game they they lost 133-130. This is a game they could have won, you know, uh, and and they didn't have him. They didn't, Or at least they didn't have the real version of him, you know, the Bertans that we know so well, who's just, you know, one of the five best shooters in the world. And so there are consequences to this, you know, on top of the fact that he's playing on a minutes restriction still. So I don't know. It's well, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to knock him. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I don't specifically or not. I'm just saying in general, maybe it'll be different under Tommy, but historically that's always been a, a little bit of an issue. No, it's a trend worth calling out because it's something the organization has done. I I, I don't want to knock them. Um, but you know, these are, these are realities. It's like, even if you don't want to blame him, because again, like let's, let's think about athletes as people. Like we don't know his family situation. We don't know if he feels, you know, like, totally uncomfortable being able to go and play five on five because if you created if i told you go create a sport and the sole purpose of the sport is not to entertain it is not to get uh it is not to improve your athleticism it is not to have fun the only purpose of the sport is to go spread covid you would invent basketball so like if you would just have a bunch of people wearing skimpy clothing screaming at each other as they played a sport right on top of each other indoors and then passing one German-fested ball at each other as they wiped sweat off of their faces. That would be the sport that you would invent. So, like, if you have something with your family or a a pre-existing condition or whatever, like, don't play basketball. Like, I I understand. And we don't know these kinds of personal details about anybody who plays in the league. And if I did, I wouldn't say it on this podcast because that wouldn't be right. But it's, uh, it's just, so it's not worth it. It's not, you have to consider these guys as people first, but the consequences of that have hurt the wizards. I mean, that's just reality. So you got any more? Um, well, I'll go with a fun one here, sort of fun one. Um, Look, they're obviously, you know, in a, in a rough spot right now. And when you're in a rough spot, sometimes it can make you do a, a panic move. And and in the past, we've seen when the Wizards have had uh, sort of feel up against it, they've gone to one well and they, uh, uh, multiple times. And I'm saying they don't go this well again. So no matter what happens this year in 2021, I don't care what's going on, do not trade for Trevor Ariza. <laughs> He's on the block. That, He's that not even in. He, he's traded. He was traded like 27 times this offseason. I think he has now officially been traded more than any NBA player in history. Do not do not do it again. No Troy Brown for Trevor Reza. No nothing. Because they, they could kind of use that kind of guy, you know, in a hypothetical sense. No, 
no Trevor Reza. Hey, that goes that goes under just being aware of the proper direction, right? Yes. Is isn't that under the same thing? Like, you know, I said it in reference to Beal, but a smaller version of that is don't be however many games, don't be seven games below 500 or four games below 500 in December, or I guess it, it's December 31st. I've lost my mind. Don't be, don't be, don't be, uh, you know, seven games or four games or two games below 500 and looking like a team that's, you know, 10th best in the East in the middle of February. I guess the deadline is March 25th this year and, and leading up to the deadline and then trade you know, Troy Brown and Ish Smith for George Hill. Like, don't, don't do that. There's, you know, they, that, that was the Trevor Ariza trade, right? I mean, they, they traded Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers for Trevor Ariza. And then Trevor Ariza left and the team finished 32 and 50 because Trevor Ariza was going to help turn around their season again to the playoffs. I think there were 10 games under 500 at the time of the deal. Or, no, they were 10 games under 500 at the time of the Otto Porter deal. I forget, but they were well below 500 at the time of the Ariza deal. And that was a big part of it. Just trying to turn around their season and get them to the playoffs. And at the time, I thought trading Otto Porter, or Otto Porter, trading uh, Kelly Oubre just for like two seconds would be better. Because Trevor Ariza was just going to leave at the end of the year. And he was a vet who wasn't going to help a young team that had to change directions and uh you know no reason to look if you I don't think they're in love with Troy Brown you know he's like their 10th guy now and Troy has struggled in this role they have a lot of guys who are playmakers uh and and it's very clear that he's the best when he has the ability to put the ball in his hands and make a move and he doesn't really have the opportunity to do that now because he's behind so many guys on the just being able to dribble totem pole. I mean, there's obviously Westbrook and Beal, but then there's Avdia, and there's Rui, and there's Ish, and they play Neto now. And, you know, he just doesn't look like the same at all. So if they want to deal him for something, you know, there, there are Troy Brown trades that could make sense. And, and there are the people way, around the really good like example of like the planning aspect. When you have a Troy Brown, you're, like I understood why they added Neto when you had at that point Wall, who you weren't sure how many, you know, you could play every game or whatever, and Ish Smith. But you also had Troy Brown, and we, as you and I have talked about before, you you end up drafting up another point guard. You you kind of have point guards, but now by getting another point guard, you've marginalized Troy Brown from becoming the best that he can be because you've now eliminated sort of the things he does. So. Now you're going to get a lesser version of him in theory. So, yes, this is another example of the sort of what's the plan here. It can't just be, well, we need these things. Like, no, we have these pieces. How do we make them better, et cetera, et cetera. All right. What do you got to plug before we go? Uh, I'm going to plug 2021. Really <laughs> excited about that one. I've, I haven't read the reviews yet, but I'm really hoping it's it's better. You know, I hear it's I, I hear everyone's really excited for it, and it's better than the prequel, but uh, but it really disappoints. Well, we're we're we're, we're I mean, it can't you know? It's like when people talk about you know people want uh, the the Washington they want Dan Snyder to sell the Washington football team, and it's like yeah, you don't know who the now their owner is, but like it couldn't be worse. They people say I'm guessing like that's how it feels like with this year. I guess he shouldn't say it couldn't be worse because. 
it could be, but like, yeah, we're going to hope for the best. Uh, beyond that, um, I will just say the, uh, my, my podcast, the standard group only podcast, I just did mostly obviously right now it's about the Washington football team, but I just did a, a mailbag where I did both, um, wizards and the Washington football team. So, um, you can check that out. And then of course I write about the football team on the athletic. It's kind of a big week for them. Things are happening. So check it out. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, and if you are just randomly listening to this episode of Wizards After Dark, you can check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. You can leave a review on iTunes. You can write one. You can leave five stars. If you enjoy the podcast and you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get that done for a discounted price if you go to theathletic.com slash Dark. Again, that's theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and that gets you a subscription to everything, not just my work and obviously Ben's work, and not just David Aldridge, not just The Athletic DC, but everything. You get your full NBA, MLB, NFL, everything you need right over there on your app or on your desktop or on your laptop or however you choose to consume sports media. Again, that 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 link is just theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and you get all your stuff there. I'll be back with a new episode next week. I'm really hoping, like, man, the, the vibes on this just suck. Like, I'm a, I'm a happy person. I'm a happy-go-lucky person. And, like, it all feels so 2018-19-y, you know? And that team was depressing. And it's last year's team wasn't good, but it wasn't depressing. And, you know, one of the things that's weird about this team, Ben, is – um. You know, every game they say the same thing, and we can't evaluate anything about what the locker room is actually like, you know, because we're not there. Uh, you know, there's no there's no access this year. You know, journalists aren't allowed on the event level. And I'm not arguing, by the way, that that's the way it should be. This is not a case of a journalist complaining about access. I totally, totally understand that's the way it is. Um but it just makes it really difficult to actually figure out. You know, in every game, they say, no, we're not, we're just pissed. But we're, Beal says every game, some variation of, or after every game, some variation of, like, we're pissed. But it's the good kind of pissed, the positive kind of pissed. We're just, we're frustrated, and that's it. And it's like, we, yeah, don't, I mean, we don't know. Like, I mean, you could walk into that locker room in eighteen nineteen, and you could tell within six seconds, like, this locker room is, is weird. And... You could walk into that locker room last year and you could tell this locker room has really good vibes. Everybody here likes each other. Everybody here is getting along. Everybody here is playing for each other. Like it had a great vibe as a team. And those were two polar opposites, 1920 team and the 1819 team. And, uh, you know, from afar, we can't categorize this team. Like we don't know if this year's team is closer to last year or if it's closer to two years ago. We just we just can't tell on our own other than talking to people who are there who are going to tell us what they're going to tell us, you know? Yeah, all, all true. All I know is in uh, two, two hours and 15 minutes, it'll be a new year and we shouldn't be podcasting when that happens. So, uh, you know, I, I think we should, uh, we, we've, we've, that should be our resolution. Damn we, straight. Not, no podcasts over an hour unless... <laughs> Unless uh, they do something uh, unbelievably crazy. That that means you're saying you don't want to talk to me anymore. I'm wrapping up. I'll be back next week, and I will talk to you guys then.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.